Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of The Real Estate Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Chris and Andy have brought some special guests with them. And uh, Andy is looking for uh, some broadcast gear. Um, hello, Andy. I'll take this spot. Okay, very good. You can wow. be our, I feel uh, important. There's big monitors over here. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You could be a journalist. Uh, Way above my hour. pay grade here, for All sure. Right. Uh, how was your week, guys, in real estate? How was it? Was it? Has it been different because Thanksgiving is just days away? Looming. Looming. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It usually always slows down right about now. And uh, But... It was it was still okay. I mean, it's yeah. it's still it's still plugging along. Um, hopefully, I hope it's going to continue because um, we're going to keep listings on during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people make choices, and I had uh, three clients that did make that choice to take their listing off, you know, and then sure. kind of wait until next spring. Well, you know, the reports Danny came out too, and they were showing October sales being down, <clears throat> and for the year year over year, it looks like we're going to be you know four to six percent under where we were last year for mm. sales volume. Uh, demand is still there. I think that there's you know a lot of people that are just not wanting to enter, enter into a market because they don't have to. So you know it's a, if it's a challenging market, I think some people aren't up to the challenge, and so they're saying, "Hey, I'm going to sideline my thoughts for a while, stay put." And you know we we did that uh, article or we read we were referencing that article not too long ago where the uh, Zillow, uh, Trulia, and the Census Bureau were talking about the amount of people that are over the age of 65. It was over 87% of the people were saying that they have no intention of moving in the near future. And they're staying put because they know that the equity that they may want maybe isn't there. And more importantly, they don't know where they want to go. So that continues to be an issue. New construction costs have gone up. I think we have a lot of labor increasing happening. So there's kind of a trifecta, if if not even you know more than that, that was – affecting what's happening this fall. And it's not a bad thing. It's just, you know, it's kind of sometimes the cycle of the way the world goes. You get interest rates go up, you got builder costs go up, and all of a sudden that cools down for a little while and it'll come back. The, the thing is, is what we have to do is find a place to go. And mm-hmm. I've got that place. I mean, it's coming. So we'll we'll get into that. <laughs> is this what we call Rooneyville? That's, yes. Well, okay. that's Andy's name for that's it. That's It's going yeah. to have a better name. We probably it, should but... have a better name. Yeah. Yeah, because Andy Land sounds too exciting. So. Yeah. Sounds too. like they're going to give away free stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to be doing on the show today? Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that we get uh, tons of questions on and uh, phone calls is title. Encroachments, easements, everything that goes with it, I think, uh, the whole title part of uh, real estate is kind of the least understood, um, I think, of everything. I mean, it's the, you know, there's a lot of legal stuff. And Cindy Coble with Title Smart is uh, back with us. Uh, she's been with us a number of times, but she brought an attorney as well, which is really cool. So Tim Thrush is with us. Mm. He's been, been, uh, been doing some legal title work here for what, 34 years? 34 years now. Th- 34 years. Wow. That's, uh, that's longer than you've been in the business, Andy. It has, yeah. That well, but you've seen a lot of things change over the years, huh? Well, when I started, we had typewriters, <laughs> and we went to the county and opened great big tract books and flipped through them. And nowadays, everything's online and computerized, which is great. So, so calls and texts and anything about you know boundary line disputes or 
easements or encroachments. Um, one of the things that I think people get kind of confused with is that they get a plat drawing when you do a, a you know, a title policy. Right. So it's a plat drawing versus a survey. Can you kind of go over what the difference is between those? Yeah, well, a plat drawing, you know, we send someone out to take a look at the property and it's it's a basic sketch that show that the house sits within the lot lines to the best of that of that draft person's ability to draw it. A survey, on the other hand, the surveyor goes out and actually finds the the monuments that that are, have been put in the ground that show exactly where the uh, the property lines are. And if there is an encroachment, or if there is a shared driveway, or if there's um, you know, um, the property, uh, the building goes over the lot line, something like that. The survey is going to show that. You know, surveys show a lot of other things as well, but the survey is a much more in-depth and accurate representation of what's on the ground. So why is it that the title policy only requires a plat drawing and not a survey? Risk. Uh, insurance companies assume the risk. Uh, that's, you know, that's why people should buy title insurance is because you can get survey coverage with a plaid drawing, and you don't have to spend the money on a survey. Now, I do a lot of commercial work, and in the commercial field, the lenders and the developers need and want surveys. Yeah. When, they're, when they're doing a site assembly or they are uh, re-subdividing property, they need to know exactly where the lot lines were and where they want them to be. And, you know, if they're, think of like a retail development, if they're going to be putting in common driveways, parking, they need to know exactly where everything is on the ground. And so then we, then they order surveys. I think it's kind of interesting, Andy, we do this too, because you you said, you know, everything's moved from the typewriter. Now it's all on the computer, but there's certain things that aren't. And we still need human eyes. And that's when we go out on like listings, you got to go look at what you're competing against because what it might say on the internet or how they, um, you know, did the pictures and position the pictures, yeah. you know, is, is different. You could have a house right next to you that's got 72 autos, you know, laying around in it, and they didn't take that photo. But it's the same thing in the title world. No, that's exactly right, and we call it boots on the ground. I mean, uh, one of the wonderful things about the Internet now is with you know, GIS mapping and Google Maps and satellite imagery, we can see all kinds of things that, you know, shows – uh, you know, where the curb cuts are, where driveways are, where relatively the building sits within the lot lines. But you can't see that detail unless you have a surveyor go out and right. actually find where the monuments are. Well, I was going to say, because we've had that it actually happen personally in a couple different pieces of land we've owned where you look at that, the the online map, and you say, wow, that the property line, which I thought the trees were right on the property line, is actually over 10 feet. And my, my neighbor's mowing my grass or my neighbor's mowing, you know, and it's it's interpretation. And so I do think that one of the things I wanted to talk about, Chris, was with all of this being true, you can have facts, but then you also have to be a good neighbor and or you don't have to be. I suppose you could be a bad neighbor. A lot of people are bad neighbors, but um, in the efforts to be a good neighbor, talking and discussing, I think, is, is a big part of the battle. You know, meeting with your neighbor, talking about, you know, hey, the property line we just resurveyed, and here's where it is, and, and you know what? I'm cool with you continuing to do this the way we used to do it, but if I ever sell, you know, do, do you guys ever get into that where you yeah. have those agreements put into play? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of times someone is doing something new with their property. They're, mm-hmm. They they want to put on an addition to their house, and whereas before, like you said, everybody just got along and knew where, you know, the assumed lot line was and where mm-hmm. I mow up to here, but now I'm going to 
expand or I'm going to put in a swimming pool or an addition. So I need to know exactly where the lot line is, where my building setbacks lie. Mm-hmm. And so I get a survey. Now all of a sudden I get the survey and I find out, oh, lot line wasn't where I thought it was. And in mm-hmm. fact, we've got a problem because you know maybe the, the somebody's driveway goes over the neighbor or so then then what you're talking about is either a resubdivision, a minor a minor subdivision where we take a portion of one lot and give it to the neighbor or an easement. And more commonly, we do easements. Like if somebody's garage encroaches or I need a little more room uh, to do whatever I'm expanding on my property, we create easements. And they're you know, an agreement between the two parties mm-hmm. so you can continue to uh, maintain the structure as it is. Or if we're building a new structure, we're going to enter into this easement agreement. And we do a lot of those. Yeah, and that easement still makes it a marketable title. Absolutely. So can, In fact, uh, good point. The title isn't marketable until you get the easement yeah. because if the encroachment exists, the uh, uh, you know the, a buyer is going to say title isn't marketable. But when, yeah. once the easement's in place, now you've created marketability for both parties. Yeah. Cindy, what, talk about marketable title quick. What does marketable title mean? Well, it's being able to uh, sell your property and give a clean title to your new buyer. All right. I tell you, we have more show to come. We have textures and callers coming in as we speak. If you have a real estate question uh, for our guests today, 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. We'll pick up on those when we come back. Overcast in the Twin Cities, our current temperature reading here on CCO 24. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our real estate show. If you have any kind of a real estate question, especially for our guests today, 651-989-9226 or send a text. And we have both. That text number is 81807. First up, guys, let's go to uh, Kathy, who's on the phone from Princeton. Kathy, we're listening. What is your question, please? Hi. I just need advice. I moved to Princeton many years ago. And about nine years ago, the county built a road right past my house and did a survey. And we found out that our driveway and garage are on our neighbor's property. And I guess I've talked to a couple different lawyers about what to do and gotten a little bit different advice. So what would be the advice to proceed? Tim, what do you think? Yeah, well, you know what? I always start with telling uh, potential clients, you know, we always need to actually look at the details of your transaction so the first thing I mean, you, you should, I would do is I would check the neighbor's title. Uh, there are different rules uh, with respect to Torrance title in Minnesota versus abstract title. And you might be able to uh, acquire the neighbor's land by adverse possession if the neighbor's property is abstract. If it's Torrens, you can't do that. You can't, you can't get and uh, um, you, you can't possess adversely against Torrance title. So the the sort of the friendly solution is to pay your neighbor for an easement or do a lot split, do a, a, a minor subdivision. And, uh, you know, it kind of depends on the circumstances. If the neighbor isn't amenable to that, that's when you have to go the quiet title route and hope that you can uh, prove that you've adversely possessed for, in Minnesota, it's 15 years. Which is a long process. Yeah. It is, and you know, and I've conducted those kind of proceedings in the past, and and frankly, they work best when they go by default. If you've got someone fighting you, 
It's right. much better to come to a, a, a negotiation, you know, for you pay them so much for either an easement or a sliver of their land. Have you ever seen, hold on one second, Andy, have you ever yeah. seen where the surveyors are wrong? Maybe yes. a different survey crew out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen that too. Um, it doesn't happen often, yeah. but, you know, this, partly the surveying techniques have gotten a lot better. Um, the, the surveyors now, they can do things with, uh, you know, uh, global positioning and you know that, satellites and, and that. yeah that and the to get a really true reading um you know in the past everything was was you know done manually and well and I would bet there's probably a good shot that Kathy's neighbor has no clue that they own that far over anyway because otherwise that would have been when they transferred the property sounds like it was nine years ago I think she said that would have been an issue back then. And so the neighbor at that point in time had no clue because they would have objected to the sale or, or cause a problem, yeah. or there would be some paperwork following that so that the title would be clear. And so what 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 is there for responsibilities back on to, like if she bought title insurance, does that fall back onto the title company to making sure that that is what it is? Andy, that's a great question. And yes, she would be covered. If, well, I, I got to be careful because there are differences in the coverages that you can get with title insurance. Mm-hmm. If the if she had an owner's policy and the policy included survey coverage, mm-hmm. she would be covered okay. against that encroachment, against the all loss or damage relative to that encroachment, and the title company would pay to to buy the the additional land or to acquire the easement. Now, if she didn't have survey coverage, mm-hmm. then that would be an excluded item. And, you know, uh, Title Smart, we write for five different underwriters, mm-hmm. and they are not all, they don't all so, give the same coverage. Well, I was going to say, and real quickly, not to keep carrying on the same subject, but does that not go back on to the liability of the seller not disclosing that previously that she bought it from? There's got to be, uh, there's a statute of limitations, it. but there's, that's correct. I mean, but I'm just saying there's got to be some, that obviously is a big miss on a lot of people's fingertips that it's run through that I would say there's got to be recourse for the people that missed all this. There I mean, this is, is if the seller gave Kathy uh, a warranty deed. If there, there's warranties in the in the deed, the transfer right. document, and if but if she acquired by a quick claim deed, then you can't go back against your gotcha. seller. But you're talking right. about suing back up the chain of title, and yeah, that's what you do. Right. You su- and you can go back as far as you need to to get mm-hmm. the responsible party. Sure. Okay. This is why title is the least understood part because there's so many plays to it. You know, there's not a real answer for Kathy until you've seen all the information. Until we do more homework. Yeah. Is that something they can call you on, Cindy? Oh, absolutely. You could call our office anytime, and Tim or I would be able to answer any questions or at least help you uh, refer you to the right people to get answers. How about a quick number? Uh, at Title Smart, our corporate office is 651-779-3075, or we have a website, which is just title-smart.com. Okay, perfect. All right, a lot of text questions here. I have five acres of landlocked land. I am told I can get an easement, but the county will determine which way I go in, and I have to put $10,000 in escrow for them to start the process. It uh, could cost 10000 or even more depends on if the neighbors fight. Is this normal state of affairs? Kind of went in it, and then they're in Carlton County. Yes, this is normal. Uh, we have a statute in Minnesota that says that if you are landlocked, your neighbors must give you an easement, but you have to pay for it. And the county absolutely has the right under under their their rules and regulations to tell you where you can put the 
the driveway in because they have control over public safety. And so they want to know that you're putting, you're coming off the main road in a location that, you know, that meets all of their traffic concerns. And mm-hmm. and so, yeah, the, you're going to have to get approval from the county and 10000 that doesn't even sound that expensive. I've seen a Sounds lot, cheap. lot more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this it's Tim Thrush with Title Smart Corporate Counsel. Uh, he's a real property specialist. And uh, another text question: My neighbor says my driveway is pretty. I had a lawyer look at it and said my driveway is in the easement, which we each have in our property line. So is everything kosher with that? Well, again, you know, to give you a really definitive answer, we'd need to look at the survey and and or the easement rather. Look at well both the survey and the easement and see if the driveway falls within the easement. Uh, you know what? I was just working on a deal this week where there was a survey done and we had an easement and the, the, the old easement wasn't wide enough. So they widened the easement, released the old easement and, and, uh, entered into the new easement and everybody thought the problem was solved, but, uh, there was an intervening mortgage and Hmm. the, the new mortgage, did, the mortgagee didn't consent, with the, and the mortgage is now the neighbor's mortgage is now in default. It's being foreclosed, and it's going to wipe out this driveway easement to this three quarter of a million dollar house. Oh my gosh. So it, it's crazy. Uh, the devil's always in the details, and that's why I, I mean, we need to look at the specifics. Uh, right. Mm. All right, we need to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go. So if you have a real estate type of question, six five one nine eight nine nine two two six text is 81807. That forecast coming right up. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of the Real Estate Show. If you have that kind of a question, you can send it in by uh, text 81807, or you can call us 651-989-9226. Chris and Andy, we've got, boy, we've got a lot of text messages for sure. Like, you're not kidding. Um, we're going to answer a couple of the ones that aren't about title right now. But uh, our house listing is on Zillow and Trulia. Both have our property taxes about 3000 more than they are. How can we get that corrected? Well, on Zillow and uh, Trulia, you can um, yep. claim your listing yep. or your house. That it's your house. You can make changes in there. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get them, I mean, we're dealing with it all the time. Because what happens on Zillow, um, it, it syndicates the information from the MLS, mm-hmm. and sometimes it takes it in differently from a different site. So say our MLS goes to Realtor.com, and then Realtor.com goes to Zillow. Right. And it might say that, you know, we have four-bedroom, four-bath, and by the time it gets to Zillow, it might say it's four-bedroom and three-bath. Right. And so we have to go in and switch that a lot. We're always watching yeah. that. Well, or maybe it doesn't show that the basement's finished or that you guys just put a big addition on the house. And so what I would say, though, first of all, I would, and of course, I'm pro real estate agent, so I would have a real estate agent come out there and give you a free market analysis on your house so that you know what you think the street value is before you go in there and start playing around with the numbers because those numbers might be to your advantage right now. You think they're high or they're low, and you could be the opposite. So just, you know, maybe get that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. So realtors can't answer legal questions like this. Is it just a matter of principle or like, are we legally forbidden from doing so? Ethically, legally, and we can't. We can't answer legal or tax advice. Because we're not an accountant or an attorney. That's the reason realtors can't answer that information. Okay. Um, what's, 
what documents are required to change a lot line? The survey has been completed. So maybe the question is what process? What's the rest of the process? Yeah. Well, if, if you're changing the lot line, you, have, you do have to get the approval of the municipality. And municipalities, you know, it could be a city or a township, are going to require a survey. They're going to want to see that survey. And then you exchange deeds typically quick claim deeds. And, and so you go to a lawyer and, and they will draft the deeds that will change the lot lines in accordance with the survey. But you, that has to be stamped or approved by the municipality. And then you take those deeds to the county. The county will accept them for recording based on the approval of the municipality. And then, and, and then the tax records change and then you're good. Here's our phone number, 651-989-9226. Let's go to the phones. Ken, I think, has been winning. Ken, what is your question? Uh, yes, I have a question about uh, impervious coverage. I am on a metro lake, and uh, a neighbor had tore down his house and put up a a new one, uh, uh, a new structure, three times the size of the original one. And uh, I have a, a lot of water runoff, and I've gone to the county, and they said that he... The neighbor is over the uh, impervious coverage percentage. So my question is, what uh, uh, what do you do? What recourse is there for the water runoff, extensive water runoff over my lot versus uh, the new lot with uh, is excavating and everything else? And yeah, and what I... what do you do? How do you remedy a question like or a they they said something about a drain tile and that, but he has not done anything about that. Yeah, I think that's dealing with the municipality that's uh, governing that particular thing. If they let them go over the calculation of impervious surface, I mean, that's got to be remedied. A lot of people are over that. Yep. Um, And I think the only way it changes is if someone goes in and tells them. You know, an interesting, and depending on the municipality, there there are formalities they go through where, for an example, even if the building official saw that they built too big of a driveway with too much concrete – and that homeowner that is building the three times bigger house probably has the resources to protect themselves and says, chase me. And it comes down to where you have to sometimes turn that into the actual building official or the city and say they're breaking the rules. I want them enforced. Then it triggers them to be allowed to go after and enforce because they, they claim that they don't want to be bullies. And so they don't drive around looking for code enforcement on all things other than like more cars in the driveway or, you know, car that's not running or whatever, something like that. But when it comes to building stuff like, for example, concrete or impervious surface versus, you know, uh, permeable and, and having where they may say, take some of this driveway out. We want you to put in pavers. There may be a very amicable solution that the homeowner and the city will work with you on. And I suggest that you just take it to the city level. Yeah. And that's I mean, they gave them a, a permit. You can't flood out your neighbor. You know what I mean? So there's I mean, there's a lot of things. Uh, that you odds can are make. the neighbors bending the rules. Yeah. Well, or that. I'd go to the city. We won't get that's what too I mean. That's what I mean. That. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, let's see some other ones here. If we have an easement, does it mean we own that, or are we just able to use it and it's owned by the person who had the surrounding land? Great question. So maybe Ask what they're talking again. about, what they're talking about probably is that hey, there's a couple lots in the back, and that there's a road that's an easement that goes through someone else's property to be able to get back to their house. Who owns that land? Well, the. The underlying owner owns the land. The easement is for the limited use, the limited purpose of driving. And so you have to look at the actual document and see what what, what uses are allowed. Uh, sometimes we do easements for ingress, egress, and utilities. 
you know, so you get, you know, you can run the utilities there. But typically, that sounds like that that question sounds like it's just for ingress egress, which is driving over that area, and the underlying owner still owns the land. Well, itself. We, we've had uh, Lakeshore that I've sold before, where they actually will have on the one side a twelve foot wide easement for all the homeowners that are on the title behind that they can walk across, but they cannot hinder on. Like, for example, to get to the lake. Right. So they can then get on their boats and take off, enjoy the lake, come back, drop their family off. But they can't, like, boat there. They can't, like, hang out there. They can't, you know. They can't erect buildings. Correct. They can't, yeah, they can't camp there. And, yep. and the guy that owns it still mows it, still maintains it, still pays taxes on it. But that's what is usually in the legalese when you buy the property. So buyer beware. Just make sure you understand what you're buying. Yep. We drive through an easement road to our cabin. We spend a fair amount of dollars repairing that road. Can others use that road to perhaps build off it? And if it gets damaged with equipment from building those others and it's not repaired, do they have to fix it again? Yep. We have to look at the document that created the easement. Hopefully there is a document. Hopefully it's just not uh, an assumed use, you know, sort of a handshake deal. Uh, But there should have been a written easement. And then you have to look. When I draft these kind of documents, I always say whoever causes the damage has to fix it and you know, and I put in hold harmless language and, you know, uh, release each other from liability and so on and so forth, uh, insurance provisions. But, um, yeah, they, I don't know if it's a non-exclusive easement or an, or an exclusive easement. I mean, you have to look at the at the document to see what it said. Cindy, what happens when we get into, um, you know, a closing and all of a sudden there is a there's a driveway easement, but there's no maintenance agreement on that? Do you guys require that? Or? This, this happens a lot. It comes up at a lot of closings because a lot of times people will buy a property and build a house. And then when they go to put their financing on it, the lender right away is asking for the maintenance agreement as to how that's going to be taken care of and maintained. So then we have to require it. And a lot of times we're getting people like Tim to help come up with that document. And I'll let Tim tell more about that. Well, when you're doing a maintenance agreement, you're you're putting in there, like, who's going to take care of it. And Well, like Chris and I would probably draw a line, and I would shovel my side. He'd shovel his side. Right. I'd have of course, at different times. His will be done at noon. Mine will be done at 5 a.m., but, right. you know. Uh, no, no, I see yeah. what you're saying. So yeah, proper sure. expectations, I think, is ultimately the underlying. Well, normally, yeah. I mean, it's it's a, a shared, when you have a shared use document, it's, a common thing to do is split things 50-50. And so, you know, you hire someone to plow the snow and you just share equally in that cost. And if you if it has to be repaved, you share equally. But, you know, it depends on the circumstances. Sometimes the driveway is mostly benefiting one parcel and only slightly benefiting the other. And so in those cases, you do a percentage, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, party A is going to pay for 70% of the maintenance. But I think that it also should be in there. If you're going to go to the extent of writing such an agreement, uh, things like every two years we're going to re, you know, apply the the blacktop, uh, whatever the mm-hmm. I don't know the tar stuff, yeah. yeah, and then you know or whatever, and then uh, every you know 15 years a driveway will be replaced. Every year, so many dollars are set aside in a fund for that, or some, or you know, or whatever. But I mean, putting something together where it's crystal clear so that there's no. I don't want to redo the driveway. You have to because you already agreed to it or something, you know. You know, we see those kind of specifics in in commercial yeah. documents not very often in residential. Residential, mm-hmm. it's, it's you know. And is that because people just don't want to spend the money to do the right document or is it just because well, they think they can all do handshakes? 
Well, partly, if the more specific you get, the the more the more detailed you get, the more likelihood when you sell, when either party sells, they're going to have uh, a buyer go, well, I don't want to live by that. I, th- right. th- those rules are too restrictive for me. So you kind of want a less can be more. Yeah. And you want you want hold harmless and insurance releases, but you don't want to go too specific. All right. We need to take a break. We have more show to come. If you have a real estate type of question, 651-989-9226 or send a text, 81807. 24 degrees right now in the Twin Cities, heading for 25 by Thanksgiving, however, Thanksgiving Day looks pretty good. Mostly sunny skies here in the Twin Cities. We expect highs near 43. Again, it's 24. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of the Real Estate Show here on CCO. 651-989-9226. And the text number is 81807. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Kevin, I believe, is uh, calling from St. Paul. Go ahead, Kevin. Thank you. Hi, good morning. I, I just have a question. I have a, re- a rental property that I'm thinking about selling on the winter. And I want to know, is it still a good time to sell? And what is the advantage or disadvantage in selling a rental property on the winter? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've got a, a property right now. I think if, if we would have listed it in July, we've been sold by now. Um, it's a property I think that should have sold right away. Mm-hmm. And we're going on week three right now with mm-hmm. a lot less showings. But uh I think it's it's still going to happen, but I think if things are priced fairly and it's in, and it's in good condition mm-hmm. as far as a rental property, I mean investors are always looking. And- well, that you're right. That's Chris. I was going to jump in and say that I, there's a lot of investors that right now are trying to say, "Hey, I've got a little nest egg of cash that I want to get invested before the end of the year for tax reasons," and so this is actually a great time of the year to get in front of that investor market. Just make sure that you have your leases. You understand what the lease is, how long they are. Uh, maybe you look at what your cap rate is. You run it yourself because if you're putting a, a property out there that doesn't have a, a real attractive number on it because you're not getting enough rent or you're trying to ask too much for the property, you want to dial it in so it's attractive to those investors and that property will probably sell fast. Yep, exactly. Um, so, yeah, Tim Thrush with uh, Title Smart. He's corporate counsel. And then uh, Cindy Koble, who CEO, president. Wow. Boss woman yeah. wow. and CMO, author CMO. and author of Obsessed <laughs> to Success that me and Andy Prasky were mentioned in there on page yeah. 27. Well, it's a chapter okay. about saying it's more yes. of an illustration, yes. but it's uh, <laughs> yeah, that is a picture. A of, I think that's a picture of Andy. Yeah. But anyways, it's a picture of saying yes to being on the radio show. The whole chapter is about, you know, being open to new things. Yeah. I remember the first time you came on. You were a little nervous. I was scared to death. Yeah. <laughs> well, Denny does that to people. Being I do. Yeah, I do. So I'm sorry about that. Being around him is crazy. But Cindy ends up being the published author. We are not. I know. He's totally, totally. <laughs> well, it's an expensive hobby. I bet it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see here. Um, my sewer line, my sewer and water line run through the neighbor's property. There was an easement in place. The previous owner passed away and the property sold. The new owner changed the routing of the sewer line through their property. Do I need a new easement? Ooh, um, it says the new owner changed the location. That sounds like the, the routing of the sewer line. It sounds. It sounds. Oh, hmm. I'm trying to figure out which new owner: the owner, of the, the the neighbor, or yeah, the the previous owner passed away and the property sold. Yeah, so but that's I'm, their I'm, neighbor. It's the neighbor's property. You think the neighbor's? And she's got an easement from the neighbor's property. Yeah, um, you can't. It, it, the the servient tenement, the the burdened property, can't just change the location of the easement without your consent. So that sounds like they were uh, 
They were violating the terms of the agreement. I mean, they should have. I mean, once that once that line is in place, it's supposed to stay there. Yeah. And if they want to move it, they have to they have to contact you. That's interesting. I mean, if they want to better their own property, but you've got an easement on their property, you've got to make sure that they're taken care of. Now, as soon as I said that, I realized that you can put a, a paragraph in a, an easement document that says that the burdened property has the right to relocate under certain circumstances. So, again, you know, these are these are these are matters that you need to refer to uh, a, a lawyer or um, a title company who can pull that document, read it, and help you navigate it. Yeah, we'll give numbers again at the end. All right, let's go back to the phones. Brent is calling from Mora, Minnesota, with a question. Go ahead, Brent. How are you doing? Good. Good. Hey, got a question for you. I, I have some property up north, and uh, as, as it turns out, my neighboring my neighbor uh, a ways away has their pole barn and half their garage built on my property when we when we took a look at where the property lines actually were. It's been that way for like 50 years. Is there anything I can actually do about that? Do I have any rights to that going forward? Is your neighbor Kathy, by chance? No, yeah. no. <laughs> 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 we're going to get a she called on earlier today. Yeah, yeah she was call. on the other side of that. Tim, yeah, well, well, Brent, I, I, you know, uh, it, it, again, we start with is your uh, property Torrens. If your property happened to be Torrens, then they're building on you. They cannot acquire an interest in your land without uh, registering that interest against your title. But most likely, just from your description, you're, you have abstract property, and the rule in Minnesota is that your neighbor may have acquired the right to possess that permanently by adverse possession. Now, in order to to uh, document that and make it official, they have to bring a court action. They have to bring a quiet title action, bring an action, uh, and you know, to prove that they've possessed it uninterruptedly and uh, hostile to your interest for 15 years or more. Uh, and so let me, let's clarify that. Is it to Brent's 15 years or is it that it's been on that property 15 years? Brent bought it only, let's just say, three years ago. And the other owner had it 12 years previous to that. And this barn's mm-hmm. been on there for 50 years. Yeah, well, the previous owner can tack back. If the pre- or, Excuse me, the neighbor. If the neighbor has only been in title for 12 years, but the barn and the uh, other building has been there for 50 years, they can tack back to the prior owners. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the question is, is how long has the adverse possession existed, not how long has the neighbor owned that lot? Mm-hmm. Well, I got a good one here. Recently sold my home. Shortly thereafter, buyer found, we only got two minutes, uh, buyer found roots in the sewer main and needs replacement. This happens mm-hmm. a lot. I had the line rooted once before due to a slow drain, and I fully disclosed that. Now the buyer claims I'm liable, stating that the city had run a camera in the in the main and that rotor rooter was over many times. But the problem was that was all done prior to my ownership and knowledge. How can I be liable for what uh, what I never knew? And it's a bad situation for all parties, and it is. It's a it's a stinky mm-hmm. thing, and a lot of that's kind of what it, <laughs> literally. And, but that's <laughs> I thought you said that purposely. <laughs> no. <laughs> But it is. Um, but it is. It's becoming a bigger and bigger problem. Oh. And uh, we got to answer the question. So, anyways, um, we just yeah. we just kind of had that too. But yeah. I mean, you have to disclose what what you knew. You know, it might turn into you might have to go after the previous person that you bought it from. Yeah. You know, and so it's a it's a it's a 
creepy thing, but I well, think if mess. you didn't do it, if you didn't. Well, I mean, but, but I'd say this it. quickly too. Sometimes going to that person and asking them what will make this all go away, getting documentation between the two of you that says, hey, here's a gift of so many dollars that makes you never bring this up again, and I'm completely off the hook, you know, by accepting this money or something like that. And it sometimes is a lot less than you think. I mean, people aren't looking. They just they feel wronged. They just want a few dollars to make it feel right. So, all right, well, we're got to go pretty quick though. Cindy, why don't you give the information for Title Smart? Yes, our website is title-smart.com or title-smart.com, and our number is six five one seven seven nine. Three zero seven five. I'm Cindy Kobel, and I have Tim Thrush with me, our legal counsel. Yeah, and so sorry. There's so many more tax questions that oh, we yeah. couldn't get to, but Prasky.com. That's a great spot. Is that the is that the father of the state champion volleyball player? Yes, it is. Thank you. And yeah. also, where we just sold five of those lots from Andover last week oh. in one week. So get get on there. Uh, build at Peterson Farms with an e. dot com. How about you? ChrisRooney.com. All right. We'll be back next week with the more real estate show here on News Talk 830 WCCO 24 degrees. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.